Morning, Cam, and thanks very much for joining us on this ANZ Emerging Economics series. And we're really looking at the the broader Australian economy and then trying to sort of get down into some detail of it. And obviously with um, with where you are at REA, then the, the key element here is property. And so that's of great interest to you know a lot of our, our readers and property across the board. You know, by and large, uh, people understand the property market in broad terms and some in, in quite good detail, but it'd be great to get your perspective on where you see the property market today and how's, how are things going to evolve now over you know what's still an uncertain next six months or so? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So in terms of the housing market at the moment, I think it can really be best described as quite strong. Um, we've got very high levels of demand. Uh, in August, we saw a record number of inquiries both to real estate agents for established property, but also to real estate agents of, uh, of selling brand new homes. Um, we're seeing that our, our measure of demand, uh, we've got a number of measures of demand, they're all pretty much close to their record high levels. The biggest challenges for the market at the moment is really lockdowns, uh, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria. And we're actually seeing quite different outcomes in both of those states. So in New South Wales, where you can still do a one-on-one inspection of a property, uh, in August, we actually saw uh, quite a large increase in the number of new listings coming to the market. And we've started to see sales volumes pick up as well. And I, I think there's just a sense now in New South Wales of, okay, conditions aren't ideal, but we can get on with things. People can still get through properties and we can still transact. If you look at somewhere like Victoria and even the ACT where you can't have a one-on-one inspection, what we're finding is it's really damaging vendor confidence. So in Melbourne, there was a 28% decline in new listings in August over the month. That The decline hasn't been as substantial as it was during lockdown last year, but we're still seeing very few vendors willing to put their properties on the market. And subsequently, we're also seeing just a, a big decline in the number of transactions happening in the market. Now, these conditions are obviously challenging for anyone in the real estate space, but I think when we think about what happens after lockdowns, when we've previously had lockdowns, we have seen a very rapid rebound in new listings coming out of lockdown. Plus, you're going to have in the two biggest states in the country, basically three to four months probably of a period where a lot of people would have been listing properties and they won't. So we suspect that a lot of stock will come onto the market very quickly. And hopefully that brings about a better equilibrium between supply and demand uh, when that does start to occur, probably sort of November this year. So it's quite a complex situation. There's a lot of moving parts here. On the one hand, supply is constrained because vendors don't want to put things on the market. Um, to a degree, I would assume that buyers are also a bit nervous and are holding back. But what we are going to see from what you're saying is that we'll get a lot of supply. There's some pent up demand, but is that going to? Uh, how will that play out into uh, actual transactions and then price pressures? Do you think? In terms of transactions, I think we'll see transaction volumes really rise quite rapidly um, because. The other big challenge at the moment, which I didn't mention earlier, was that just overall supply of stock for sale is the lowest it's ever been. So you've got people, I think, just making sacrifices and properties they probably said, I'm not interested in at all when they started their search. They're now going back and revisiting because there's nothing new coming onto the market. So the overall supply of stock is continuing to fall. Uh, 
I think clearly when uh, when we do see that expected bounce in, in new listings, there will be a better balance between supply and demand, but we would need a, a big jump in new listings sustained for the best part of six months, I would think, um, to get that back to a level of actually in equilibrium. So I still think that we're going to see quite strong price growth uh, for the next, you know, sort of three to six months. Um, and, you know, basically buyers are just hanging out for more properties to come onto the market and more choice. And, and that's the thing that's really lacking at the moment. And then overlaying that, we, we've got that this much longer term, you know, 30 year decline in interest rates and funding costs are now, you know, historically low. Um, and most macroeconomic uh, economists would argue that it's those very low interest rates that are driving a lot of buyer demand. That's still there. And then again, on top of that, we've got this idea that more people will work from home and that will change the nature of property. So how, we've got a lot of things playing in here. We really do. I mean, the interest rates, uh, the Reserve Bank, uh, Governor Lowe spoke uh, recently about the fact that he still doesn't expect interest rates to rise until at least 2024. Um, so that's giving buyers some assurances, essentially, that there's not going to be a, a rise in interest rates, at least not rapidly and not for a while. And that's still going to be in play. I think the big thing that will really change the property market going forward into 2022 is once a lot of the restrictions are dropped, people can start doing other things with their money. So if you're in New South Wales or Victoria at the moment, you can't even go to the pub, you can't go out for, for a meal to a restaurant, you're not traveling into and out of the city uh, on a regular basis. People have all this extra money, you can't holiday overseas at the moment, no one in Australia can as well. And I think once people have a little bit more freedom to spend their money in other ways, that's when we'll start to see some of the heat coming out of the housing market as well and, and price growth slowing down. Uh, clearly, there's talk about macroprudential policies possibly being introduced as well. Although, again, Governor Lowe uh, sounded pretty down on those when he spoke uh, spoke recently. But of course, it is a, a decision for APRA, not necessarily the Reserve Bank. Uh, that would, if they were to be introduced, that would certainly dampen um, the availability of credit and probably lead to to slower price growth as well. But I think, realistically, we just need to wait until we get through these lockdowns. And, uh, and things start to open up again. And then I think people will start spending in other areas of the economy rather than just putting so much money into housing. And is the dynamic between investors and owner-occupiers shifting as well? It, it really is. So if we look last year, Home Builder was in place and that saw a big surge in, uh, in inquiry and sales to first home buyers. Uh, that finished in March, and we have seen the first home buyer segment really slowing down. Obviously, a lot of uh, demand for first home buyers that would have been this year was pulled into last year because they could have got that $25,000 grant. Uh, but investors are definitely coming back into the market. And now, the rule of thumb for investment in property used to be a 5, 5.5% gross rental yield. But if you think of the broader macroeconomic uh, conditions right around the world, we're in a very low yield environment. So if an investor can get say a four or four and a half percent gross rental yield and then get some capital growth on top of that, that's very attractive for an investor. But what we are finding with investors is where they're looking is very different. So it's not inner city apartments, which was so popular for such a long time. We're seeing a lot of investor inquiry into Southeast Queensland. Uh, so both outskirts of Brisbane and, uh, and the coastal markets. Uh, and, and that's really the trend we're seeing across the board. You know, investors aren't so interested in inner city properties they're more and more interested in lifestyle properties, whether that be the outskirts of capital cities 
or whether that be in, in regional towns. And what's what's underpinning that shift? Is it the working from home thing? Is it regional Australia? And... It, it's all of those. I mean, working from home is a big one. And I think uh, we've adopted that really successfully. Uh, the big question with working from home, in my mind, will be what happens sort of in five years time. At, at the moment, businesses are talking about hybrid um, working arrangements, but you know, we do tend, humans do tend to fall back into old habits. So if that becomes sort of, you know, three days a week and then four days a week in the office and then eventually five days a week in the office, uh, that can really change. So I think that um, that's going to be a trend to watch. But certainly at the moment that the push to outer capital cities and regional markets is largely being driven by the fact that people don't have to go into the office anymore and they're much more focused on lifestyle. And a lot of those regional areas prices are a lot cheaper than if you were, say, buying in the inner city suburbs of Sydney or Melbourne. And the nature of the dwelling, if you're going to work from home, probably you want a home office. Does that that change the kind of property that you're looking at? It, it definitely does. So both in capital cities and in regional markets, we're seeing uh, an increasing share of property searches for higher priced properties. And we're seeing an increasing share of searches for properties with at least three bedrooms. Uh, and, and studies are a, a very popular um, thing that people are searching from on the realestate.com.au website as well. So uh, I think that's it. When you're spending more time at home, you are going to need more space, particularly if there's two working parents. Um, you know, I don't think that most couples would like to be sharing an office three or four days a week. Uh, everyone wants to have their, their separate uh, areas that they can work from. So you know, getting a bigger property um, is, uh, is a priority for a lot of people. Yeah, and well, we're on the website at the moment with exactly those uh, search criteria. So um, hopefully not too many other people are looking for it, but it sounds like they are. And if we we drill down a little bit further then the, into your discussion around moving out of inner city as an investment destination, are there particular regions where the regional market is stronger? Yeah, there's, there's lots of examples. So probably surprisingly, one of the markets that's been very strong regionally is the Coffs Harbour region of New South Wales. Um, and it's, it's difficult to know what's driving that, but we do know that vacancy rates are extremely low in that area. Other really popular um, regional markets at the moment are the Southern Highlands in Shoalhaven uh, in New South Wales. So a lot of people moving uh, just out of Sydney. Uh, Wollongong, very popular at the moment as well. And the Golden Sunshine Coast, which are always popular locations. Uh, the popularity is growing there. In Victoria, um, Geelong and the Surf Coast is very popular, both from investment and from an owner-occupier's perspective. And the Mornington Peninsula, whilst it's technically part of Melbourne, I mean, it's as far away from Melbourne as Geelong is, uh, we have seen a, a big increase in popularity there. And also the commuter towns, Bendigo, Ballarat, and even parts of the, uh, the Latrobe Valley are uh, proving very popular at the moment. So generally speaking, the most popular areas are tending to be still within commuting distance of the CBD if you need to go back into work a couple of days a week. But there are some exceptions like um, like Byron Bay, for example, and Coffs Harbour, as I mentioned earlier. We'd be obviously foolish to try and forecast the next six months, given what we've seen over the last 18 months. But if we assume that as vaccination rates grow, then restrictions will ease, perhaps not completely, but they will ease, and we will start to see some return to offices and CBDs and things. How sustainable are these trends we've been talking about then? Will the, will the regional desire peak or do you think that we've now seen a long-term structural shift? 
Yeah, this is this is a really tough question, I think. Um, and, and I think a lot of it's going to be led by what businesses do. If businesses continue to allow people to work away from the office, or at least most of their time away from the office, then I think the regional uh, shift has has further to run. Uh, you know, prices are still in most regional parts of the country quite a bit cheaper than they are in the capital cities, uh, and quite honestly, you do get a lot more for your for your buck in a lot of these regional areas than you would if you were buying a, a similar property in the inner or middle uh, ring suburbs of Sydney or Melbourne. So assuming that's the case, I think that the, the regional shift does have further to run. Um, and, and, and I think that people, the pandemic has just made people realise that life doesn't need to be all about work. It also needs to be about lifestyle and family. And that's why we're seeing the move to regional Australia so popular at the moment. And, uh, and I think that's probably a trend that will carry over for some time uh, after we've got out of lockdowns and we're still living with COVID, but it's not the uh, hyper-focus that it is today. Mm. And you're looking at these markets every day, obviously, in great detail. What are you looking for in the next six months? What are the, the major signals or the, the key moments that you're expecting? I think I think the biggest thing will be to watch what happens with uh, new listings and how supply responds once we get out of uh, of lockdowns. Now, at the moment, as I said it from the start, inquiries at record highs, properties are selling really quickly. Uh, you know, there's there's not enough stock out there in the market. Uh, but I, I think once restrictions are dropped. It'll be interesting to see how the market responds. I suspect that some of the demand for property will drop. Um, I think some of the prices being paid for properties will, will reduce a little bit as well because people have got other money and, and other things to, to do rather than just spending on residential property. But overall, there's still a lot of people that want properties uh, and uh, and they're willing to... And the, the borrowing power of those people is extremely high at the moment, especially if, you know... They usually travel overseas and they haven't done that for two years. They might take a couple of domestic holidays a year. They haven't done that. Uh, if you capitalize the, the money they had set aside for that into the property market, it does go a long way. Uh, so I, I still think that there's there's a bit of time to run on this. Uh, but I think by the time we get overseas, uh, board, international borders rather, open back up again, uh, the property market's going to be looking very different. We're still going to have very low interest rates. Uh, but I think that uh, the attention will start to divert away from just uh, pushing up property prices and into other areas. Well, thanks very much for your time, Cam. I mean, as always, the level of analysis is is really fascinating, um, and it, it's certainly a period in the market that we need to watch closely. So thanks again for that. No worries. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs>